0: Will come. Look,
1: my Welcome to another episode of On The Line, a podcast that aims to bring British Columbia's rich labour heritage to life. I'm your host, On July 19, 1983, members of the B.C. Government and Service Employees Union, better known as the BCGEU, learned that the large Tranquil Institution in Kamloops would be shut down. The decision was part of the Social Credit Government's all-out assault on social services and long-standing human rights they had announced to a stunned province 12 days earlier. The Tranquil facility housed more than 300 residents, living with a combination of mental and physical challenges. But no plans or procedures had been put in place for the residents. Their fate was a big question mark. For the 600 BCGEU members at the site, many of whom had worked with the residents for years, this was simply unacceptable. They decided to take matters into their own hands. A hand-painted union flag was raised, locks were changed, managers evicted, and the workers took control. Employees elected a workers' council. Each shift was represented, and decisions were made democratically. All services were maintained. The remarkable occupation of Tranquille lasted for 22 days. It was the first action to be taken under the banner of Operation Solidarity the massive protest movement that brought the province to the brink of a general strike. This is the story of the occupation of Tranquilo. by DOA's great Joe Keithley to feature general strike by the band in our solidarity look back two years ago. So we're using it again. It's a local song, a song of the era, specifically released as a single in November 1983. And I quote, dedicated to those who stood for their rights and continue the struggle. It ain't over yet. First, some background. In the early 1980s, Canada experienced its worst economic downturn since the Depression. The recession was particularly hard on resource-dependent British Columbia. In 1982, the province's GDP fell 6.1%. Unemployment climbed well above the national average. There was also persistent inflation that put pressure on both government spending and unions. At a time when resource revenue had been cut in half. To help unemployed workers during these tough times, the BC Federation of Labour set up unemployment action centres across the province in 1982. They functioned as food banks, career counselling services and organising centres. On the other side, Premier Bill Bennett and his advisors saw the downturn as a chance to slash spending in the public sector and curb the power of their unions. On February 18, 1982, Bennett announced the province's first public sector wage control program. It was the opening shot in what became an all-out battle to force workers to accept what the premier labelled the new economic reality. When Bennett called a provincial election the next spring, his main platform was restraint. Despite a topsy-turvy campaign, Social Credit was re-elected. No one could have foreseen what was to come down the pike on Budget Day. The big day was July 7th, 1983. A date that continues to live in infamy for many British Columbians. The presentation of a budget that slashed funding for core services across the province had been expected. But no one expected what happened next. After the budget speech, without notice, minister after minister rose in the House to introduce a new bill. When they were done, 26 pieces of legislation had been introduced, and they were devastating. In an instant, the Human Rights Branch and the Human Rights Commission were done away with. Commissioners and staff were fired on the spot, told to turn in their keys. The rentalsmen established to safeguard tenant rights, was also wiped out, along with rent controls. Landlords were given the right to evict tenants for any reason at all. The Employment Standards Board, the Alcohol and Drug Commission, vehicle testing stations, the BC Harbours Board, and legislative scrutiny over Crown corporations were gone too. The government would have new powers to oversee school district budgets and fire elected school boards. Two bills targeted public sector workers directly. Bill 2 restricted government workers from negotiating any working conditions, apart from wages and benefits. And Bill 3, perhaps the most shocking of all the bills, gave every public sector employer in the province the right to fire employees without cause. No government in Canada had ever delivered such a massive single-day attack on so many existing rights, rights that most British Columbians had long taken for granted. That summer, Gary Steves was working as a staff member for the BCGEU. He picks up the story.
0: It was uh, middle, mid-July. It was like a week, 10 days later. Um, on July the 8th, in this massive assault, Grace McCarthy had had announced, had issued a press release saying that Tronquille was going to close. So we knew that the government planned to close it. Um, and because the government had closed other institutions in Delview and Skeena View and... Um, and there was a lot of social pressure to deinstitutionalize. institutionalize um, So we, I wasn't surprised by that. They called my office, the Ministry of Human Resources, and they were down on, just off uh, West 12th, um, just down past the hospital at MHR had an office building and uh, said, you know, we need to speak to you about this press release and what our plans are. So we thought it was, you know, a five-year now we're going to close, and blah, 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 blah. Um, so Jack just said, Gary, you deal with the ministry. You, you go. You'll know what they're talking about. So I went by myself. I don't know what I was thinking. It was the summertime. Everyone's on vacation. It was a beautiful, sunny day. I get down there, and they have the senior managers and the most senior human relations people, and there's a gang of like six of them sitting there. And there's me. And so uh, I joked, uh, I thought you guys were senior. What are you doing? Uh, you know, <laughs> what, what are you guys doing here working in the middle of July? Like, you know, like, I thought you were senior. <laughs> I'm junior, that's why I'm here. And um, so they, uh, they we sat, got to work and they said, look, they laid out this thing about how uh, Tronky was falling apart. It needed a huge capital investment. They didn't use that word. They um, but they need a lot of money to fix it and they weren't going to and they were going to close it. And I said, oh yeah, uh, and when is this going to happen? They said, well, it's going to happen by the end of this year. It'll be closed by the end of 1983. So I got back to the office and called Cliff and called Jack. And I sat down with him and said, you can't believe it. Here, here's what they're going to do. Um, and Jack said, well, you've got to go to Kamloops. You get on the plane right now. And th- This meeting was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I probably was back in the office by 4. I jumped on a plane at 6 o'clock and um, flew to Kamloops. Um, I, ta- I called our, our staff. We had two staff reps in Kamloops, in the Kamloops area office. Uh, Dave McPherson and Al Lowndes. I said, uh, I told them what I'd learned. Uh, and uh, Dave McPherson is a superb organizer. I mean, Dave McPherson was just a, a creme de la creme of an organizer. So he said, well, what does Jack say? Because Jack Adams, you know, in our union, Jack was a superb tactician and a strategist. I mean, he, you know, someone once said that... Uh, he, uh, he always used a, he always used a blunt instrument when a when a scalpel would do. But and he was kind of blunt, and he was kind of you know he was a Korean War veteran. He was you know he was quite militaristic and quite in your face. But he was a brilliant at knowing where the buttons were, and knowing if you did this, what they were going to do. And he had the counter moves. You know he was always two steps ahead of everybody. In my experience, I, I, I enjoyed working with him. And he, um, he said, you, you know, you just can't go into Kamloops and drop this bombshell on our 600 workers, and then get on the plane and leave town. I said, oh, okay, well, what are we going to do? Says Gary Steve's, three, you know, what, four years on staff with the BCDU. Um, he said, I think you've got to have them just sit down and stay right there. No one goes back to work. You just sit right down, right there, sit in. So I just get, told them what happened. I just went through blow by blow the meeting and what they said and what was planned. Um, and then I said, "Do you have questions?" Let's, let's before we talk further. What, what questions do you have? Let's get them out on the table. So. Well, people ask questions like, well, is this going to be for everyone? But the biggest question that everyone asked and was asked over and over and over again was, well, what's going to happen to these people we look after? But, like They were like teachers. They cared more about the kids than they cared about themselves. Um, you know, they they just said, this is not right. So I said, look, I have a question. And they we answered all their questions as best we could. And I said, I have a question for you guys. What do you want to do? You have choices. You can do nothing, or you can fight back. And if you want to fight back, I got some ideas. This guy stood up at the really, uh, way at the back of the meeting. He he stood up and he said, we don't have any choices here. Like, you you don't give me that. We We don't have any choices here. We're not gonna take this. And sat down and it was like, I don't know, it it was like, uh, it was like it was all choreographed, you know. As he sat down, everyone else just stood up. And it was just this massive, you know, clapping and cheering and yeah, we're going to do something. So then Dave and I explained, well look, we're going to do it. Let's go occupy the place, let's get rid of the bosses. First of all, kick the bosses out. We'll send a little message to Bill Bennett that his world's changed. So uh, they loved that. And then a whole uh, shop steward started scheduling you would work a shift, sleep in a shift in your workplace, and you would, um, uh, and you go home for a shift. Boy, the workers, they, they just handled it all. They, it, there was schedules in every department within an hour. I said to Bill, we didn't know how to lock doors. Like I said, we may have to seal the doors off. And so I got this Saul Alinsky book. I had just finished reading them. I think it was Rules for Radicals. And in it, they said, if you take a paperclip and you break the paper clip off, and you slide that in the lock. It doesn't destroy the lock. It just prevents the key from going in. So all you need to do is have a little tiny magnet. You put it on the end. It slides out. You put your key in. But you've but you've disabled the door. So I said to Bill, get a get a whole lot. Get as many paper clips as we've got in the office. He said, paper clips? What do you want those for? So we had blank picket signs and paper clips and rope and everything we thought we'd need. Piled into Bill's back of Bill's station wagon. And then uh, we called the bosses and said, you will not be allowed into work tomorrow. We had sentries on every door. Um, And even people that were delivering stuff, you know, food companies or whoever doing deliveries. If you didn't have a union card, you couldn't get on the property. And pretty soon all these companies were saying, oh, well, we contracted over to here because they're a union. (laughs) This is great. But it worked very well. the other thing we did was we elected a, a council, uh, one or two representatives from every shift in every department. And this council, this occupation council, made all the basic, all the big decisions. So it was good.
1: The flag of Operation Solidarity flew over Tranquille throughout the occupation. The mass protest movement had been born on July 15th when the BC labour movement set aside its internal disagreements to unite under a name and image, inspired by the independent Polish Union Solidarność, which had been banned in Poland in 1982. A steering committee of the BC Federation of Labour's Executive Council and fair representation from non-affiliated unions was given authority to call a general strike, and a $1 million budget was established to fight back against the government's restraint budget and the 26 bills. Trade unions were not the only groups eager to fight back. Advocates for women, minorities, seniors, children, renters, human rights and civil liberties in general were also outraged by the government's savage restraint program. A few weeks later, a province-wide solidarity coalition was formed, designed to harness the energy of all community and social justice advocates in taking on the government. The Solidarity Coalition was chaired jointly by BC Federation of Labour President Art Kuby, Renata Shearer, who had been fired from the Human Rights Commission, and theologian Father Jim Roberts. Regional coalitions were set up across BC, often through the Federation of Labour's Unemployment Action Centres. Over the rest of the summer, The combination of unions and the coalition's grassroots enthusiasm sparked the biggest wave of rallies and demonstrations the province had ever seen. The Tranquil occupation, propelled by the dedication of BCGEU members to the people they cared for, stood as an early example to other activists of extraordinary solutions for extraordinary times. Workers recorded their experiences in a daily publication they called The Tranquil Tough Times. Their submissions, often anonymous, chronicled the humour and dedication that powered the workers through those 22 days. A small unsigned poem published August 7th read Now there's Bill, hear what he's saying The people are mad because of the jobs he's slaying While well, Gracie's got heart, though the budget is tight She's abolished the human right But don't you worry, and don't you quit, because the fighting's not quite over yet. We're gonna rally, and we're gonna sit. We've got the best union you've ever met. The epic saga was even captured in songs, written by a Tranquil worker, Debbie Forehead, later Debbie Patton. She was invited to perform live on local radio station CKNL, and later at the massive August 10th Operation Solidarity Rally at Empire Stadium in Vancouver. This spirit of solidarity steeled their nerves as they faced difficult situations
0: while operating the facility on their own. So every day, we let the managers come in on the back end of the property. Tronquille is a huge property. And they had cottages in the old days when it was a sanatorium. They built cottages for the doctors. This would be the 1950s. And they, uh, so there was a couple cottages left and they had nothing in them. No furniture, just bare little cottages. So we had all of the managers sit in one cottage. So we'd let them go there and they couldn't go anywhere else. So I would take over in the morning a big folder of everything for them to sign. And then the secretaries would ship it into Victoria. Um, Oh, and they were just, oh, I don't know about that. I said, you're going to sign that or it's going to get a lot, it's going to get a lot worse around here. Oh, okay. (laughs) So it's pretty well get into a groove um, until about halfway through the occupation. And um, what happened there was, uh, you know how hot it is in Kamloops. I mean, it's hot in the summertime. And then this is July and August. so it got down to slightly under 100, well, I'm talking about the old, we're talking about the old temperature measurements now. It would be, it would be the high 90s. You know, and you could sit outside at night, you know, uh, in shorts and a t-shirt and, you know, it's just beautiful. But there was one ward called the Greaves Ward, where which were all uh, cerebral palsy uh, patients. And. I got to know a few of them, they, I mean, they were, you know, they had great minds and they just had a body that didn't work particularly well. So they were, you know, significantly fit physical disabilities and, and some of them wise beyond their years. And they had been keep the BCBC had been keeping the air conditioning system going over the years cause it was on its last legs and they kept f- fixing it and Jerry, you know, playing with it. And, um, so one night i got a call. Actually, it was the first night I didn't sleep in the institution. I had got a hotel in downtown Kamloops and just to get a break, and, um, uh, and Marina was with me, and, and the phone rings. And this is BCBC shopster that said, Gary, the air conditioning in Greece has ceased to work. I said, well, can you fix it? He goes, no. Uh, he said, we been we, working on it. We can't make it work. Um, he said we really need a I said, we really need a new system. And I said, Oh, geez, how are we gonna do that? And he goes, Well there is a there is one. It's in a warehouse in downtown Kamloops. Um, it's been approved in the budget every year for the last four or five years, but they never wanted to spend the money, so they've just it's if it's in the budget, they just haven't spent it. So I said, Is it in this year's budget? He goes, Yeah. I said, Well, get a crew, get to that warehouse. <laughs> let's put, a, let's put the, a new air conditioning on, it, you know, the big unit that sits on the roof. So the BCBC guys got the crane out, and uh, they went downtown, got a new air conditioning unit, took the old one off, put the new one on, 9 o'clock in the morning, new air conditioning system, beautiful. He said, you know, people are going to die. If we didn't fix this, people are going to die. And I said, you don't need to convince me. You know, let's do the right thing. Well, you... You couldn't believe the reaction of management when I took that piece of paper over in the morning for them to sign. They just went nuts. I said, you're prepared to let people die. You're more interested in budget and saving money and all of that than you are in the people that you're, you're charged with looking after. So anyway, I said, here's the drill. You can refuse to sign this. And if that's the case, of course, there was, there was a CBC and a CTV film crew followed us everywhere. They were there everywhere I went, they went. Um, I said, we're going outside to that picnic table um, and we're going to have a debate right on television about this expenditure and about how, and I'm going to tell people it's approved. Legislature's approved, it's in the budget. You guys, you guys just want to torture people who have physical disabilities. I mean. They were uh, off the wall. I mean, he was off the wall, and then when I threatened to drag him out in front of the cameras, he just said, okay, well, will sign. And they signed it. And I was like, oh, I was so relieved. <laughs> and, and, and Dave McPherson and Bill Rohde and a whole bunch of the activists, like, they were back at the office. They were just waiting for me to get back. What happened? I said, he signed. I went, oh. <laughs> so, um, so there was things like that, but it ran The the workers were marvelous. The the workers knew what they were doing and they didn't need someone leaning over their shoulder telling them how to look after people.
1: Given the number of jobs involved and widespread compassion for the residents, the people of Kamloops were strongly on the side of the Union. But the Tranquil workers could not hold out forever. Inevitably, sleeping and working in the institution for days on end began to wear them down. As actions elsewhere began escalating around them, the occupation of Tranquille came to an end.
0: Uh, it lasted until uh, August 10th. August 10th was the Empire um, Stadium rally. Um, <laughs> well, it ended for a number of reasons. One is, that we 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 got as much public relate to be crass about it. We'd gotten an, an, uh, you know the maximum amount of public relations, operation solidarity, fight back uh, propaganda out of it if we could. The workers were getting tired. You know, you can only do that for so long and people need to get back to their normal lives. So workers were getting tired and you could tell from the, you know, the, 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 the Occupation Council um, was, they were tired. And, and, um, uh, and we had an agreement from the government that uh, if we gave it back to them, there'd be no retaliation and there'd be no, so the government was really on their knees begging basically like you know like, can we get can we get back into normal business um, and we had an agreement that the fate of Bill 3 and Bill 2 were going to, uh, we're going to be dealt with you know through the through the, the collective bargaining and strikes that were going to take place in the fall. You know that, that roster of you know BC Jew goes first and you, know, you remember all of that so the, the, the lineup of unions prepared to walk out to force the government off its legislative agenda, um, we, we weren't going to make... The, continuing the occupation wasn't going to make that come any faster, uh, and it seemed an appropriate time to let the workers have a rest before some more emotional events would take place in the fall when you know, we'd take the strike vote and go out and everything. And um, it just seemed like the right time.
1: The Tranquil workers later joined other BCGEU members in a successful province-wide strike against the government that fall. Although Operation Solidarity's overall strike plan failed to roll back Social Credit's earth-shattering social measures, the BCGEU managed to get rid of Bill 2 and retain their seniority rights in the event of layoffs, as did other public sector workers. There would be no firing without cause. Tranquille eventually closed in 1985. Thanks to the BCGEU strike however, workers retained their seniority and security rights. Many were able to transfer to similar institutions in the Lower Mainland. Others opted for early retirement. As for the residents, Union members had insisted in return for ending their occupation that the government commit itself to working with community care advocates to ensure that all residents were placed in an appropriate residence,
0: usually in a group home. And that's what happened. It depended, you know, if your parents were from Burns Lake, you you know, they tried to arrange a group home in Burns Lake for you to go to. So you're close to your family and so on. and that was partly due to, the, I mean, the government was just going to dump them. I mean, it was the union after the fact that had set up a process to make sure that residents were looked after or or we'd still be occupying the place, I think. You know, if you couldn't give the workers that, the, the, workers, the workers wouldn't have given up on their own account. They, they would have fought to the very end for the people they looked after.
1: What might a future generation of activists draw from his experiences? Gary Steeves had this to say.
0: Get the book out, start reading. You need to know the rules. If you're going to be an effective uh, agent of change, you've got to know the rules. So I would say to young people, learn the rules so that you know how to change something. Because status quo is not good enough. never is good enough. So you want to change stuff? You've got to know how it works, where the little buttons are, where all the little cogs are. Learn the system and figure out from there how to change.
1: Forty years later, the historic 22-day occupation of Tranquille still stands as one of the most radical, inspiring examples of workers using direct action and collective bargaining to protect not just labour rights, but human rights too. The interview with Gary Steves was part of the Solidarity 35 project by the BC Labour Heritage Centre. Thanks to interviewer Ken Nowakowski and Gary Steves, and to Bailey Garden for scripting and editing this episode. Danielle Lavallee read the workers' poem. You can learn more about the story in Gary's new book, Tranquility Lost, The Occupation of Tranquille and Battle for Community Care in BC, which has just been published. A bronze plaque has been commissioned by the BCGEU to commemorate this significant event in labour history. In October 2019, the BC Labour Heritage Centre, in partnership with the Virtual Museum of Canada, launched Solidarity, the largest political protest in BC's history, which tells the tale of those unforgettable months in 1983. You can explore the digital exhibit at labourheritagecentre.ca vmc. You can find more information in our show description. Finally, we would like to thank the Labour Radio Podcast Network, for welcoming us into their growing network of labour-oriented shows, broadcasting and podcasting around the United States, Canada and the world. Their aim is to introduce more listeners to the voice of labour and to help shows that speak to working people work together. Be sure to explore other shows on their network. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Rod Mickleborough. We'll see you next time on The Line.